Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking Give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Warm welcome to everyone. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you too. And it's so good uh, to worship. And I hope you enjoyed our annual meeting. Uh, That's really something. And uh, one of the things that's great about it is the transparency where we really talk about it. Anyone can walk into our office or uh, come to church and ask for our um, our budget and where our money goes and and you have an accounting there so I, I really appreciate that and if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter twelve John chapter twelve and as you 're turning there i 've got three things I wanted to talk to you about one is uh, we are having our growth track uh, on uh, Sunday February twentieth at eleven forty five a m and uh, step two is um, Uh, learning the four habits and learning how to hear God and I get to teach a lot of that and I have a team teaching with uh, Pastor Stu and uh, it's really kind of fun. We provide lunch and child care so we'd love to have you come to that. The other thing is uh, when you um, vote, when you fill out your ballots and you uh, put them in the voting box in the lobby, uh, there is um, uh, a place where we are voting to ordain Pastor Josh and uh, the church actually ordains him. And it's kind of a three-part thing. I told you about it last week. This is where we uh, have an ordination council, and Pastor Josh was asked a lot of questions last Tuesday night, and it was just really, he did such a good job, and it was really exciting to see that happen. And then the next thing is that we vote for him uh, this weekend, and then uh, in a few weeks, we will actually do the ordination service where we lay our hands on him, and uh, we bless him, and uh, ordain him. Uh, and so it's kind of an exciting thing. One thing that um, Pastor Josh was saying, there was uh, several people that came to him and said, so you're leaving, and he wanted everyone to know that he's not leaving. Uh, he's just getting ordained. And the difference between being licensed and ordained, real quick, It's being licensed uh, means that uh, while you are employed as a pastor at Bethany, then you're licensed uh, to be a gospel of the ministry or minister of the gospel. And then if you get ordained, that's for life. So it's just an extra step that is uh, really, really cool. And uh, so that's what we're going through. The other thing is a couple years ago, just before COVID happened, I was planning on taking a sabbatical. And uh, so this summer, I'm going to take a sabbatical, and it's been about 20 years since I had a sabbatical, and uh, so I'm, uh, I'm kind of excited about it. My wife isn't, but I'm kind of excited about it. So anyway, uh, this summer, we're going to be going and doing that, and I, I just wanted you to know that uh, Pastor Josh, Pastor Stu are going to be the, uh, carry the biggest amount of the load of uh, the preaching and pastoral care and that kind of thing, and so you're going to be left in good hands. I just wanted you to know about it, and we, we kind of like to let people People know what's happening uh, when we have our annual meeting. So let me read to you verses 24 through 26 of John chapter 12. And uh, this is um, also I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, the future and what we're trying to accomplish here at Bethany. So Jesus says, uh, very truly, verse 24, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
And anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And we have this app where you can follow along, and I just kind of call out the numbers, and then we go. So number one is come die with us. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ in verse 24 is talking about himself and that he is that that seed that's going into the ground is going to die. And he's talking about the cross, that he's going to die, he's going to be buried, and then he's going to overcome death and be resurrected. And so when he says, you know, uh, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And that word for uh, kernel there uh, means seed or a kernel or a grain. And then at the end where it says, but if it dies, it produces many seeds, the actual word in the original language is the word for fruit. And this is the idea that it produces many seeds, really is it bears much fruit. New American Standard, the English Standard Version, has that it bears much fruit. And so from Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection uh, comes the church. And that's what we're kind of talking about today. And there's this, this, this Christian principle, this paradox principle that death is the way to life. That, that dying is the way to life. So Jesus dying on the cross brings eternal life to his followers. And then there's this call for us to die to self every day. Uh, Romans 6.3 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Then if you look at 25, there's this uh, language of hyperbole. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so there's a lot of people um, that have misinterpreted that verse, the idea of hating themselves. And in the Middle Ages, you know, they would, you know, whip themselves. And there's people that, you know, have taken... uh, Uh, verses from the King James, mortify the flesh, and they've, you know, hurt themselves and done all kinds of stuff. And there's even been people that are having ideation of suicide that will take this verse and, and justify some of their thinking. And I want you to know that has nothing to do with that. It really is this language of hyperbole that is talking about dying to self. And uh, there's this idea of, of, uh, our church saying, come die with us. Now, just a personal story. When I was in junior high, I was introduced to the four spiritual laws. This is um, Campus Crusades, a track where you would show someone this, this a little pamphlet, this little booklet. And the first law, the first spiritual law was God has a wonderful plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And then I used that for years and led people to Christ, and it was such a wonderful tool. And then as the culture changed that uh, God has a wonderful plan for your life wasn't used as much, and I almost quit using it because everybody became so consumer savvy. Everyone's really consumers, and so when you would say God has a wonderful plan for your life, before you could even get to, uh, you know, um, spiritual law two, spiritual law three, and four, there was like, what's the catch? What's the catch? Everyone wanted to know what's the catch. So this is the catch, that Jesus died for our sins. He died on the cross. He went into the grave. He was resurrected, and everyone that follows him has to die too. They have to die to self. So I I want you to know that one of the ways of understanding that language, hate their life, 
is to compare scripture with scripture. You know, it's a really good hermeneutical, you know, rules of interpretation. So um, Matthew 16, 24 uh, has this, and, and these next three verses from Matthew, Mark, and Luke have this, uh, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and the cross is a symbol of death, of dying, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So if you underline loses, uh, that's the same kind of language that we find in John, but John uses the word hates. So we can substitute hate or lose, but it's the idea of denying yourself, picking up your cross, and dying and following Jesus. Mark 8, 34, 35 says, Then he called the crowd to them alongside with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And so there's this idea that Christians, people that follow Jesus, you know, are denying themselves, picking up their cross, and following Jesus. And then Luke 9, I love this one because it explains it even better. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and daily follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And that's the idea of the cross daily. So it's not the idea that you actually are going to kill yourself or do something, you know, to harm yourself. This is the idea of every day dying to self and following the Lord Jesus Christ daily. And this is the idea that uh, for Bethany, we are inviting people, this is the catch, to come follow Jesus daily. So number two is come follow Jesus Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So in the very beginning of the Gospels, and I, I mean, I love teaching the Gospels, and I love teaching especially that first part of the Gospel where Jesus is going along the lake, and he's healing people and calling disciples, and he, he, he does, just does so many wonderful things, and it's just like a, you know, Robin Hood and his band of merry men. They just, it's just so wonderful, and it's, it's just this wonderful story, and he gathers people, and he says to them, come follow me, even to a tax gatherer, Matthew, come follow me, come follow me, and it's just like, oh, this is so awesome, and then we get to John 12, and it goes from come follow me to come die with me. And all of a sudden, we realize how serious discipleship about following the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the way. I have this four-year-old grandson, Wesley, who loves this TV show called The Mandalorian. And he just loves it. And one of the things that The Mandalorian says, you know, because he's a Mandalorian, is this is the way. And they all say it, you know, the Mandalorians say it to one another, this is the way, this is the way. And I say to um, Wesley, what does the Mandalorian say? And Wesley go, this is the way. This is the way. And this come follow Jesus, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. This is the way. This is what we want you to do. This is what we want to see happen at Bethany. And then number three, come serve me. The same verse, verse 26, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And that word serve is where we get the word deacon. And in the verb form, uh, it means to serve. It means to minister to. And in, uh, when it says servant, uh, you know, my servant 
also will be, that word servant, it's also from this idea of the word English deacon, and that noun means to be a servant or to be a minister. And that's not popular in our culture. So when we say, come follow Jesus and deny yourself daily, pick up your cross, and then we say, and serve, we are going against the grain of the culture. But it is absolutely the thing that is Christ followers, and it's the thing that ultimately gives us joy. We love to serve. If you become a Christian and you learn to serve, you will love it. And one thing about my dad when he was dying in the last couple of years, in terrible Parkinson's, he couldn't serve. The one thing he missed was serving. And he loved to hear about what was happening in church. And he loved to see, and he, he kept praying, but it was so hard, and he missed serving. And one of the things, the privileges that we have is serving. So number four, and this is an analogy, and there's quite a few analogies in the New Testament of what the church is. The church is a fellowship. The church is a family. But the one I want to bring out uh, right now is the church is a body. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So each one of us, are a part of the body of Christ, and each one of us are a part of this body. And I want you to know that Bethany is the local church, and we are a body, we're not a business. And some of you are going to go, whoa, 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 we just watched all those numbers up there on the thing, what are you talking about? Well, there's another verse that says, do things in order. So we really try to be transparent, we try to be really orderly, but there is the real reality that it, the, the church is not a business. It's a body. And a body is an organism. And we are an organism, not an organization. And some of you are going to go, no, 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 no. You know, I know that you're incorporated. I know that you're registered you know, down in Olympia. You know, there's all kinds of things. We know that you're really an organization. And the truth is the body of Christ is not. It's an organism. And the people, I want you to know are the ministers, the servants. Let me give you the verse. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. There it is, that word service. It also is that same deacon word. So that the body of Christ may be built up. So the people, everyone at Bethany, are the ministers. And the pastors are the administers. And every member at Bethany is a minister. Um, Before COVID, when we used to go to church conferences, which I don't know how many years ago it was, but it seems like, you know, like a decade ago. But when we went to conferences, you know, many times you'd be sitting, a pastor, I'd be sitting, you know, at a group of pastors and and everyone's kind of sizing, you know, each other up. You know, how big is your church? How big, you know? And sometimes I would be asked, how many ministers do you have on staff? How many ministers do you have at your church? And at the time, you know, we were bigger than we are now because a lot of people left during COVID or maybe they're watching online, but we don't know uh, who they are. But anyway, uh, they would ask, how many ministers? And I'd say, oh, we have 700 ministers. And then they would go, oh, yeah, they, they, they know, because everyone is supposed to be a minister. Everyone is supposed to be serving. We're not to be the consumer church. We're to be the, the ministering church. And so every member is a minister. And to that end, I want to talk to you about the culture at Bethany. And we call this the Bethany Vision Culture because 
Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Now, I didn't come up with that, and I forget who did it. I read it in some leadership, but I love that line. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. And the culture that we create, you know, will facilitate how we love people and, and serve people and disciple people. So we have this uh, pyramid that we use, and the, the base of the pyramid that gives us strength is our beliefs. And our beliefs start off with the number one thing is that we believe that God's word, the Bible, is God's authoritative word and that we go by the Bible. And then we have all the other ones. We believe in God. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, so forth and so on. You know, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was resurrected. You know, that you have to put your faith in him. We believe that there's a real salvation, that people's hearts can be actually regenerated. We, all those things are our beliefs. It's our, our base of our pyramid. The next one is our values. And values are really important. You know, what kind of values you have. So um, uh, our four values are uh, following Christ, uh, growing in Christ, serving Christ. There's that serving word again. And then giving back to Christ church. And every family has values. Like one of the values that we have with our kids is um, when we went to a restaurant, nobody order soft drinks. I don't know if you have that value in your family, but we did. No one orders soft drinks. No one orders. You just drink water. And if you want a soft drink, we'll get you one at home because we're not going to pay the outrageous prices of a restaurant. And Elaine really feels that way. And I remember one time when our, our, our eldest son uh, was feeling his oats, you know, early teenage, probably he was about 13. And he said to the waitress, you know, when he was ordering, he said, I'll take a large Coke you know, and he just looked at us, you know, and she's okay. And he got his large coat. I mean, we were just glaring evil intent on that kid, you know. And his mom really, you know, was like trying to kick him under the table, you know. And uh, she said, she told me, go cancel that order. I said, no, it's a good learning tool. We'll see what happens when we get home. But there's something about values that are really important. And our four values is following Christ, growing in Christ, Serving Christ and giving back to Christ's church. And then the next one is purpose. And purpose is the why. The why is the most important question. What is the why? Why do we do that? Why do we worship? Why do we gather? Why do we read the Bible? Why? What's the why behind the church? What's the why behind uh, Bethany? And the purpose we find in Matthew 34, 36 through 39 uh, this um, one scribe asks uh, Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the purpose, the why, is love God and love others. It's really simple. Love God, love others. Say it with me. Love God, love others. That's our purpose. That's why we do everything we do at Bethany. And if, if we're doing something that doesn't fit in that why, then we shouldn't be doing it. It's the purpose. The next one is the mission, and the mission is the what. Now, I know some of you think, oh, this is boring, but hang in there with me. The what, you know, is like the 
I just gravitate. Now, some people just love the why, but I love the what. You know, what are we supposed to be doing? What are we, what, what are we supposed to be doing? And that is the mission. And it's from Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And I love the idea of mission. If I have a mission, I'm a happy man. If I don't have a mission, I struggle with that, and I want to know what that is. And for us at Bethany, it's to make disciples. And when people ask, what are you going to do on your three-year plan? We're going to make disciples. What are you going to do this summer? We're going to make disciples. What are you going to do in 2023? We're going to make disciples. It's almost kind of like boring, but that's what Jesus gave us. And it's like um, when I was a kid, I loved, and I shouldn't like this, but when I was a kid, I loved army movies and I loved reading army stories about World War II and I was so proud that my uncle had fought in the Battle of the Bulge and he was down in the, one of these trenches when the tank, the German tanks rolled over him, you know, and he was just like, he, he, when, we, when he died, he didn't tell anyone, but when we opened up his little box, he had medals, you know, that he had won because he was such a hero and I just love that. And when you have squads, you know, they would always have in these stories, you know, Squad A you know, take that hill. Squad B, go take that machine gun nest. Squad C, go around the right flank. And there was always decided that they had a mission. And what's my mission? And to make disciples. To make disciples. The next one on our pyramid is um, strategy. And strategy is uh, really interesting. Strategy is the how we're going to make disciples. It's how we're going to carry out our purpose. And uh, it's the how we're going to do what we're going to do. And then there's goals above that. Goals, you know, uh, if you don't have any goals, you'll hit them every time. So we want to measure what we're doing. And, and strategies, I want you to know that strategies and goals, there's this dotted line. I don't know if uh, there's this dotted line and everything. Let me have the next. Yeah, there it is. Uh, the next slide shows that everything below that dotted line does not change. Um, our mission, our purpose, our values, our beliefs, it never changes. It never changes. And most churches, most local churches that love Jesus, they might say it a little bit different, but they too have these same ones and it never changes. But strategies are always changing. And strategies are what Christians fight over. Christians fight over strategies, and it takes real discernment to know the difference between strategies and purpose and mission. Um, one of the strategies we're going to use is the bridge, and we're going to actually um, build a bridge up here, and uh, the creative team uh, just did the most wonderful thing. I think I already told you about it, but they're also going to build a bridge down here, and it's going to be for anyone that has a hard time uh, getting up these stairs. And anyone that can't get up here, they're going to be able to cross. So we're going to have two bridges. But the bridges represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, according to John 5, anyone that believes in me has crossed over from death to life. And so we'll give an invitation at the end of the Easter message and invite people to cross the bridge. But that's just a strategy. And someday we will not use, we will not use the bridge. And I'm telling you, someone will be angry at me for not doing that. 
For years on Veterans Sunday, or close to Veterans Sunday in November, we used to have this one song, and we would sing, you know, all the, the military songs. And this one year, we changed our strategy, and we didn't sing that song. I'm telling you, I had a couple people so mad at me, you know, and I had one person telling me, you know, the Bible says we're to do that, and you are losing, you know, uh, the opportunity to share the gospel. And they tried to make it sound like it was a belief or something spiritual, and it really was a strategy. And I, I said, I'm sorry we changed that. But, you know, it, it was time. It got old, and we changed our strategy. Um, we did a water out offering at Christmas Eve. It was just awesome. $104,000 were given. It was just amazing. And every year we've been doing it. We've done it 12 years. We have like over a million dollars over 12 years. But someday we may not have a water offering on Christmas Eve. And I'm telling you, there'll be some people that'll be angry and they'll send in money for offering anywhere. And then they'll leave the church because they're so angry. And I've had people get angry over the funniest things but it's strategy. And I want you to know that strategy is not worth fighting over. And as Christians become mature and discipled, they begin to have a discernment between strategy and then the things below that that are really important, like beliefs, values, purpose, and mission. So the message is come die with us. It's not a real sexy uh, message, is it? I mean, some of you are going, oh boy. If I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't stay at this church for anything. Because come die with us doesn't sound really good. But if you have a family or you were in a family when you were born, and there's a few people that don't have families, but they, most people came out of a family and most, many people have a family. And I want you to know, if you have a family, you did some dying. Sometimes we die to self. Remember when I was almost 40, we had Evan. One week before I turned 40, we had Evan. And Elaine had a, you know, nights where she was really tired, and it would be my turn to go comfort the crying baby and change the baby. And I would think, I didn't have to do this very much. When Evan, I don't remember, I mean, when George was born, why am I having to do with Evan? She said, it's your turn. She would pat me nicely, go take care of the baby. And I would die to self, and I would get up, and I'd go and change Evan and, and cuddle Evan and, and uh, uh, love him. And when you're in the middle of that, many times when you're first, you're groggy and you're tired, and you don't feel like it. But then you love that baby. You love that child. And then one of the hardest times we've ever gone through with children is potty training. That's dying to self, isn't it? You know, it is, it is really hard because they have these accidents and, and they're not wearing their diapers. And you're just like, you know, let's wait another four years and maybe they'll get better control. And, you know, you can't do that. You can't have them in fourth grade, you know, having problems. So, you know, you die to self and you take care of. And then as you are loving people in your family, you're dying to self and you're serving. And so my plea to you is that you help us build a culture that serves people because we die to ourselves and we love folks because Jesus first loved us. Amen? Hey, stand with me and let me pray for you. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for each person here. Bless them, shine your face upon them. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you. Thank you for this opportunity to share and be transparent of what's going on uh, with Bethany. We just thank you for such a wonderful year in 2021. We pray that you would continue uh, to bless uh, our, our efforts. We pray that you would build uh, your church you would build your church here and that you, you, Lord Jesus, would build the house. And the laborers are wasting their time unless you build the house. In Jesus' name, amen.